Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. I wouldn't lie to you. No, I wouldn't. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video and inter- uh, video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. I know last week I promised you I was about ready to sit down and talk to one Megan Griswold. Well, she got bronchitis. I couldn't talk to her, but she's on the show today, so we still get to talk to her. Isn't that great? Well, I found myself another author who I'm going to be talking to instead. had a conversation with her yesterday, a young author, Nicole Persson. Oh, she's young. My God. I think she's 23. She's got a two-book deal. It's crazy. She's a sweetheart. P&WA board member also. Very cool. You'll want to see that. That'll be up 1st of July. Yes, it will be. Then everything you need to know, it's all there on authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Uh, you know they have a great writers conference. Yes, they do. I teach there. Donald Moss teaches there. Chris Vogler teaches there. And there's agents and there's editors and gobs of writers you can meet. I know you're an introvert, uh, but you want more friends, don't you? Well, they're at the writers conference. Other writers like you go there. September. Uh, SeaTac, Washington. Learn all about it at pnwa.org. Now, speaking of meeting other writers, as you know, I have a book called Fearless Writing. I teach a fearless writing workshops. I teach them in Seattle. I teach them at writers' conferences. I'm going to be teaching it at the Willamette Writers' Conference uh, in August, I think, is when it is. Yes, I will be. Fearless Writing Masterclass down there in Portland. But, listen, maybe you don't live in the Northwest doesn't matter because now I've got an online fearless writing workshop. Yes, I do. I'm going to be doing it July 27th, the Saturday, in the middle of the day, two hours online. If you got a webcam, it's going to, you get to see my face. I'll get to see yours. It'll be great. A real writing workshop, live video. Check it out on my website, williamkanauer.com. You can sign up. I'd love to have you there. Limited space though. It's filling up. I just put it out with the word out a week ago and it's starting to fill up. So there's about six spaces left, so sign up now if you can. Okay, enough about me. Like I said, I was going to interview Megan, today's guest, Megan Griswold, last Wednesday. She got sick, but she's better now, and she's with us. Uh, well, listen, Megan's done a lot of things. She's trained and received a certification as a doula, a shiatsu practitioner, yoga instructor, personal trainer, and in wilderness medicine, among others. Uh, she has worked as a mountain instructor, a classical five-element acupuncturist, a freelance reporter, an NPR All Things Considered commentator, a spokesperson for egg freezing, an off-the-grid interior designer, and the creator of the Backcountry Meets High Style online store, Little Moving Spaces. But she is also, of course, a writer. Yes, she is. She's the author of a fabulous new memoir, The Book of Help, a memoir in Remedies, and she's with us now. Megan, how are you doing? I'm quite well. I'm excited to be talking to you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad we made this happen last minute. Me too. Here you are. Uh, you're sitting in your car somewhere in, <laughs> somewhere in Boulder, Colorado. Somewhere in Colorado. Because <laughs> your other car, she was just telling me before we got started that her car was possessed by an electrical spirit, and she's had to ditch it. 
Uh, so this is, you know, just the, your life. It's not Megan. Your life is never dull, is it? That's not been no. your problem. No, no that's not. Do you my ever problem. wish it was? I have other problems. That isn't. Um, that's not one of them. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm sort of jealous that people who like sort of are more in the middle of a bell curve of sensation or experience or intensity or something. It just looks really nice. And if I was built yeah. that way, I'd be very great. Honestly, I really, I really like more middle of the road. I just don't seem to find myself there very often. You know what? I had a friend uh, he once, he was, a, I mean, he really wanted to be a writer, but his biggest concern was that he was too happy. He had been raised uh-huh. by two loving parents. He really got along uh-huh. with them. He had a job he liked. And he just thought, I'm screwed. I got no problems. How am I going to write? So you see? Right. The other, well, other side of the fence. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're suspicious, huh? <laughs> No, I mean, I think everybody's got something to say, you know, really. And it depends on how, you know, interested you are in talking about it or putting pen to paper or fingers to a computer. You know, I certainly, I do think that, you know, what they, what do they say to write fiction? All you got to do is create a couple of characters and apply pressure to those characters. Well, I think that Mm -hmm. that's, do what they do and that's plot. And I think, you know, memoir really or anything is the same. You just are going to write about some situation where pressure was applied and that usually happens on you know, outside what's like normal, just because that's the interesting part where you see higher, higher right. amounts of pressure. So yep. um, I bet you, I bet you the happy guy's got some pressure, even happy oh, pressure would be interesting. Ac- actually, he got divorced. So I think he's got some oh, pressure. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so lucky him, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's him. really true. I like, I like how you phrase that. Cause you know, I write, I, I write personal essay memoir. That's my thing now. I tried fiction for years. Wasn't for me. So I do this. And it's true. You're always looking for those moments where there's some resistance, some pressure. I like that. That's good language. Those pressure points. Yeah. And you've had a ton of them in your life. Mm. Mm. Well, we all have. I, but I, you, I, I, yeah. But yours well, are kind of well, out I, there in your face a little bit. I guess. You know, I mean, it's funny because definitely a lot of people who I grew up with have now read the book. And they're like, you know, I didn't really know that that was you know, what you were going through or what your family was like or what their philosophy was. But I think, you know, you could write a, when you're not Michelle Obama or someone famous and you have something to say, you obviously are wanting to anchor it to something you think has meaning beyond just your personal biography, you know? And in my case, when I started writing about certain challenges I was having in a marriage that I thought was interesting, I didn't want to end up sounding like a lifetime movie of the week, one. And two, the more I wrote about it, the more I realized the lens through which I was looking at a lot of things was, you know, alternative therapies and wellness. And that became an interesting structure to me to talk about something that was um, a way to talk about, because a lot of people turn to those things when they're in some kind of crisis or challenge. And it's sort of like, often people it's like asking them to search calmly for a, a life raft while drowning. Like often those right. people are you're when you're in that place, you're kind of at a point of desperation or like who, what is your therapist's name? And what's his number? Right. Is he okay? And you know, and you sort of grab and I kind of wanted to contribute to the conversation about how we digest those things. And right. um, I have digested a lot of it. So, but I'm a weird combination of things because in a certain way I'm, I'm sort of a skeptic in a way. So I don't, Still? You know, um, I'm well, just wary. Yeah, I mean, I'm wary of people who are comfortable assuming the expert authority figure position. Yeah. Like if people yeah, use yeah. the term, right. you know, healer or this or that, and are quite confident, happen to 
think you have a problem that just their training can solve. You know, the simple hat goes on and I kind of pull it down squarely on my head. So Uh I'm an open-minded skeptic in a way, I would say. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Well, but you're interesting, Megan, because unless this is actually a work of fiction, uh, you have been sort of swimming in the alternative world, at least help world for a since you were just since you came out into a family swimming in it uh, to some degree, and it's just that's been your way. You've been around it your whole really almost as long as you can remember. It seems like. Yeah, it's definitely not a work of fiction. I just came from spending time with my 91 year old uh, dad and his wife, who is dealing with the challenges of um, dementia, or Alzheimer's, but they still very much practice Christian Science. So I'm often in this situation where I have to kind of not meddle, even though I might right. want to, you know, facilitate different right. outcomes in more traditional forms of medicine. So right. it's still li- alive and well in my family. Yeah, sure. The out sure. there factor high. Yeah, you know, it's funny reading yours because my wife and I are have our own things that we believe in, and we talk mm-hmm. about it. We're both very talkative people, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, my boys reading your throughout your childhood, listening in on your parents. We aren't Christian scientists, but we have our beliefs about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Gave me almost a glimpse into what my kid's life might have been listening in on my wife and I going back and forth and back and forth and all because every once in a while they'll roll right. their eyes at us and think you guys are right. so cool, blah, 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 you know. Right. Uh, right. Even open to- okay, so this so I read your 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 short but packed bio there. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember from the memoir, the writing started was the writing kind of always there or did it really kick in? I mean, because sometimes writers, no. it's sort of always living in them, even when they're not doing it. How was it well, for you? Well, I've always be, I've always been rather verbally incontinent and kind of the memory <laughs> keeper and sort of storyteller in my family. And yeah. so I was a big talker. And yeah. um, sort of when the exciting stuff around my husband's arrest started, I started to feel like I had something to say about that because I was very into – you know, having a traditional marriage and believing in the balance of marriage and how to be, you know, how to make something work. And suddenly I was put in a position that I had more to say about it. And um, I happened to have, and I was in acupuncture school at the time. And my, one of my best friends, um, who's Coco, her name is Coco in the book. Her name is actually Pam DeVore. Um, She was going blind. And um, I started writing stories down it's first I did one that I decided I want to do like a story on stage. It was the equivalent of right. like the moth where I was living. Right. And um, I did one of those. And then I just found I had actually did a, a writing class um, at Hugo house. Oh, oh yeah. And, Who'd you take it from? Um, Janine. I can't remember her last name. Janine something or other. And, um, or Jean, Jean. Um, and um, I don't think she lives in Seattle anymore. Oh, okay. But um, I took a little class, and I somehow had this idea. I, I just was having – it was – my friend was slowly going blind, like depressed on her bed in her bedroom, listening right. to Outlander. And I was going through all these sort of relational, out, you know, antics and right. somehow putting these stories down and reading them to her to, like, make her laugh because at first they were probably more funny, you know, for right. an audience of one kind of 
and we were both actually eventually will deal at the same time with our um, parents acquiring Alzheimer's. And wow, so we yeah. sort of had that in common. And yeah. like one little story became two, two became three. And then I did this tiny one woman show in Boulder here, actually here. And yeah. then I did it again in New York city. And then I kind of strung them together. And then after I finished that second time, I thought, you know, this might make, make an interesting book. And I sort of, I went to a few writers' conferences, as you discussed, because I was pretty self-taught. I mean, I had done a lot of academic writing, but it's quite different than, you know, the thing I noticed for the people who are writers out there, the thing I find most interesting is how hard it is for people to feel like they have a voice they can really stand behind. Like, I don't think it, like, in a way, I don't think it matters what you write about. It's whether, especially in personal narrative, I think that you find, everybody in fiction too, that you find a really strong, compelling, kind of interesting voice. And weirdly, really smart, beautiful people and writers are shy to actually sound like who they are and figure that out on yeah. the page. There's something quite yeah. shy about it. And I didn't, you know, it took me a while to figure out how to do that in a way that felt honest, you yeah. know, and also yeah. likable. Because I like this idea that the things we like least about ourselves actually most endear us to one another and so I found the challenge to write down the things I found most difficult and where I look like I kind of think of my book as like Candide is like lost in an ashram and I'm happy to look like the biggest bumbling person and I hope I do with any other character in the book with the idea that if you can you know like this voice and this person still you might be a little kinder to the thing going on with you that you have more trouble liking because it's you right you know yeah so you know um, i just i just wrote this piece uh about that which is that for me i found that when i'm writing personal narrative i can't brag or complain for sure but i also mm-hmm. i can't apologize for my behavior i found that mm-hmm. i can't judge myself like i was doing what i was doing because at the time it was the best I could do or the time I believed something differently about myself or whatever, but I can never be, I got to show myself, but I can't be hard on myself. I I mean, I have to put it all out there, but I can't bash myself for what I did. Does that make sense? Well, don't you think, I think you can bash yourself if it's sort of a commentary on bashing, you know, I mean, I've definitely done that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, that you're kind of want to show what it's like. There's a chapter in the book about worrying and I worry a lot and sometimes I just worry about worrying and then I worry about why I feel so <laughs> sad and then I'm sad about how much I, you know, it kind of goes right. on and on and on that the weird kind of what it's like to be inside our heads kind of feeling. I think that's yeah. possible. I also, oh, no, no, that's but fine. I do agree with, yeah. That's fine. But that's, that's kind showing of how you, how nutty you are, you know, or how nutty right. one is, one can be. That's different. Right. Right. Well, I did a whole edit where I took out every place that I sounded was trying to sound a little bit wise because I feel like <laughs> if I took that out, it it gave me a lot more permission to be as crazy as I wanted to be. Like, right. you know, if you're trying to sound like this authority figure and then suddenly you're saying the most nuts thing in the world, you know, you kind of lose your credibility. So I just tried right. to not sound wise, but sound true, at least as true as I knew how to be at the time. And right. um, kind of go from there. You know, kind I love of how I had a teacher that said, like, accelerate toward embarrassment. Accelerate towards embarrassment. Oh, it's good. Yes. It's good. Well, that, yeah, we got to lay it all. Well, it's true. And you do connect with your readers over your. Um, I wrote this piece where I was, was, my, was, was where I was 
it was about my son and me, and he's on the autism spectrum. And in this particular piece, he did something I didn't want him to do, and I and and he was screaming in his in his car seat in my back seat, and I'm just thinking, you little rat, you little stink. I mean, the whole time I'm just in my head, just sort of laying into him. I don't actually say it to him, but I'm just really fed up with him. And then at the end of the piece it turns around and I learned why he was upset with me. And I kind of was in the wrong. I say, I'm sorry. And, but most of the pieces me spent in my head saying what a little stinker my kid is, but I turn it around at the end. And like every response to the piece was what a great dad. You're such a wonderful dad. Yeah. And I was yeah. really just yeah. laying into myself. Cause I let myself just be as, just show what a wanker I can be when I'm pissed. Right. You know? Right. And that was what connected to her. So I love how your story started because you were, you were you you wanted to you wanted to support somebody you wanted to tell the story but it was for someone you loved and you wanted to uplift them a little bit amuse them distract them entertain them mm-hmm. but you had a goal in mind beyond your own hearing your own voice right mhm mhm and i think that's such a beautiful way to start with storytelling well, I mean, I think that's the original, like, kind of around the campfire idea, too, right? Is that there, we sure. think that we're having these really unique experiences, but really, like, there's only so many patterns that humans go through as long as we're the same sort of human animal. And so right. I was just sort of writing about mine, and it was. It was sort of distracting, you know. Um, I read some idea that, that, you know, the best, you know, kind of memoirs, they, you know, are a distraction and the others, you know, or a distraction from something and a source of entertainment or the others kind of, they're like escapist or they offer the keys to escape both. You know, right. one has more meaning and one has, you know, more entertainment. And right. you know, I definitely like being in the conversation of providing, trying to find some meaning and being entertaining at the same time so that you kind of yeah. do. And, you know, she, the, what the interesting thing was actually, that my friend evolved into being the best editor of the book. So I, it wow. just took a really long time to write the book. It took 10 years. And yeah. I read that thing wow. out loud to her, and it evolved from being, you know, kind of a developmental editor concept, kind of the way she just would tease things out of me, to being like a great line editor, like three lines really? back. She could remember, even though she was blind, say, you know, wow. two paragraphs back, you – did this, that, or the other thing, and, you know, and um, anything from, like, an NPR commentary that she would say, oh, yeah, you used that, used that word, you know, three minutes ago, or, um, so now she's actually working and doing some developmental editing for other people, not just me. Um, You see, you started a new career for her. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's, it's, but we call it all ears editing, because, you know, that's the other thing, is I think people, the more we should be more encouraged to read out loud because, you know, it's sort of like storytelling or being a comic on stage. You kind of know when you're losing your audience and your yeah. ear knows that as well as the person that you're reading to, you can, you know, listen to their feedback and you can tell when they're checking out, you know, kind of. No, it's true. Done. It's true. So, and I, I'm surprised that, um, in fact, you know, my book, I kind of came out of nowhere when I met my agent, and I don't mean this to tell as like a compliment to me. It was just sort of funny because right. a lot of his people came out of like, you know, Paris Review or Iowa City. Right, Paris. right. He was like, so he goes, so you just, uh, you know, wrote this? And I, I was <laughs> like, listen, well, yeah, but here, here's the deal. Like my best friend is blind. I've been reading it to her and getting criticism for a long time. He's like, oh, that makes sense. You know, the way, you know, a lot of us 
figure out that hearing something out loud is enormous help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all those wow. shy readers, my, you know, writers, my advice is like get one person that you trust, like really trust their taste. They don't have to be writers, but like yeah. really smart, critical people. Like in her case, in acupuncture training, you spend a lot of time kind of doing role playing and, you know, some person pretends they have, you know, some disease and the other person is treating them, you know. Right. And um, in those exercises, there's a lot of critiquing the practitioner for not being truthful enough in their vibe or not really meeting the person where they need to. And a lot of that, those kind of skills happen to transfer into writing. So I don't even think you need a listener that's like a trained writer. You just need someone that doesn't, you know, has a, a very um, true sense of like how humans are and kind of the nature of things. You know what right. I mean? They, they sort of yeah. your most honest friend yeah. who's the most in a way critical, but not, not the mean spirited kind, the right. really paying attention kind. Right. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, when I teach uh, classes, right, actual writing classes where we, you know, do workshop our pieces, I like to, I'll read all the pieces aloud to the, to the students so that, A, I can read aloud. So sometimes people aren't that good at reading. It's a particular skill, you know, and some people mm-hmm. are not But also, so I want to give it a good chance. But also, I think it's important sometimes to hear your stuff read in someone else's voice because, mm-hmm. in truth, everything is not read unless they're listening to it on tape. Everything isn't read right. in your voice. It's read the reader reads it in their voice, in their head. Right. But and that's I think right. fascinating for the for the it helps the it helps the author hear it differently because they get used yeah. to a certain emphasis and so on. And I've I've been told it works well for them. So that's uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty brutal. Sometimes I, I avoid li- I writing reading my stuff aloud just for fear of what I'm going to hear. But right. I gotta do it. You right. Gotta do it. Right. So. The book is unusual in its format, uh, and I'm sure you've yeah. talked about this, but for the people who haven't read it, talk just a little bit about the structure you chose. And I mean, it's, I mean, the writer in me reading this was like, okay, how long did it take for her to decide to do it this way? I can't imagine she just dove in this way, but maybe you did. So just, well, anyway, talk about the structure and then how you came to it. Well, um, I was taught this idea that you kind of write down what the teacher called glimmers, Pam Houston, like these moments where you, um, let's say you look at a green shed, I mean, a big green shrub, and someone's thrown like a red sweater into the shrub, and you notice it. You don't think it's not good, it's not bad, it's just you go, huh, odd. Right. And a glimmer is something that happens within a, you know, an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, these kind of moments where you go, huh, that you really remember for some reason, a moment or something someone said, or something that happened that was odd. And I started writing down these glimmers, not really knowing where, you know, whatever your unconscious, whatever the story is, it's trying to tell. And the more I wrote, the more I could see that, um, my way into a lot of this material about relationship was through therapies. And so I thought, well, that would be interesting to sort of foreground the structure, you know, and then still have a narrative arc. So it reads like a novel, but that you enter it from that way. And also I love like a million years ago when I like had wrist surgery, I read Bridget Jones' Diary in a Day. I like devoured the thing. (laughs) And Uh I remember thinking it was such a funny structure because you could just read her intros, um, and that's why you can also never judge like where you get my material, you know, like sure. whatever you may think about that book or whatever, like it was very popular, but it had a really unique structure. And yep. um, 
so she was constantly checking in like how much she weighed and how how many cigarettes she smoked and i thought those right. two things alone were hilarious and you could just read the beginning and that's a whole story right. without ever getting into the chapter and so yeah. i had this fun of doing so the the way the so if it's water fasting or if it's acupuncture or if it's you know drinking ayahuasca it'll say purpose cost equipment needed location relationship status humiliation right. factor that was my favorite <laughs> just because <laughs> So many people don't acknowledge, like, how embarrassing a lot of self-help, you know, ventures can yes. be. Like, you have to sit yes. in a circle and confess something, or someone's crying, or, you know, you're crying, and or you have to strip off all your, you know, pee down your underpants and do some weird exercise, right. you know. So I liked assessing that. And then it became this really fun, freeing um, way to kind of navigate, uh, like, a four-decade period, you know, because those things kept... I had enough of them to kind of, right. and as well, the book changes, a lot of them become kind of more my own experiments, less of what someone else is telling right. me to do. So I definitely play with the form. It kind of is sure. not well, totally strict, but. I have to tell you, uh, just, you know, what your, your description of reading Bridget Jones' diary is very similar to my experience of reading this book. I just came to look, I mean, not just that, but I always look forward to your little intros. I so oh. found them amusing and surprising and playful. Uh, I just loved them. And so they really were a great way to kind of just give a quick break to the, to the, to the flow of the story and then back into the story and then a quick break. They were, they were just delightful. So well done. You obviously enjoyed. Uh-huh. I, it seemed to me that you enjoyed writing them. They, they seemed like there was pleasure in there. Oh, I just love writing. I mean, I don't really experience what that thing writer's block so much, if, yeah. if anything. And, and I'm lucky in the sense that I don't, you know, that whole expression, like, kill your darlings. I really don't get all that attached to what I do. And, That's um, good. That's good. So it's, I just sort of vomit it out. Each chapter maybe takes about an hour and a half. It's sort of right. like a thing. It's sort of like a yeah. tap gets turned on with the first sentence. It's like a little wave. I write it, and then, boop, it's done. And then you look and see what what you have. What and happened? I didn't realize, yeah. like, in traditional – you know, I didn't really even realize how short my chapters were. They're quite short, you know, and, yeah, and they are. people have asked me, like, how did you get your publisher to say yes to? And I was in this weird, you know, hybrid world of being in a wellness press and with a literary memoir. And I think in some ways that made it easier for me to just have the book as it was. And I didn't, nobody really touched it. It just stayed like it was when it sold, really. So right. um, I think maybe if I'd been in a more... I would have loved to have been in a different press. It's just how it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So wait a minute. Rodale is a, is like a well. Oh, so it's it's like a mine. But I didn't realize. I just saw it was, you know, Random House. Yeah, I wasn't it's paying like any Harmony, attention. like at Penguin Random House, like Rodale yeah. and, and Harmony um, are under Crown, like with Michelle Obama's book or whatever. But it happened to be right. a wellness, like so. Laird Hamilton's book came out of there, say, or, you know, some book on you know, harmonic healing or, yeah, you know, there's no, like, like those kinds of books. Oh, I didn't realize that for some reason. Oh, how cool. So but they publish a straight up. The, I know. And something that is, is a bit that? sometimes a send up. That's what I like about it. Like it's in a way it's a send up and it's also embraces that stuff, but it's definitely a commentary, you know, sure. uh, uh, on the stuff that they also publish. So oh, I was that's so funny. And, and I think because of that, it, I, you know, most of the editors there weren't, I mean, it was a whole complicated thing, like what editor I started right. out with, and then they, you know, had a baby, oh, and yeah, this happened. Yeah, yeah. But, 
um, I, anyway, I ended up having a great editor named Elise Diamond, who was a huge champion in the like cool cover and and supporting the structure. And and I think because of the kinds of books they had, they were more comfortable with an odd structure, really. You well, know? It, the structure the structure works great, and uh, I think um, I, I read. Um, Love and Trouble, the memoir by Claire Dieter's memoir, her last one. And she's a beautiful writer. Uh, it's her second memoir, but she really played with the structure. And I thought it was really cool to see. And I think as the memoir has evolved, which it really has, I think the structure has to be played with, like just like the novel structure gets played with. So I just mm-hmm. saw your book as just another evolution of that form, frankly. I didn't, didn't think twice about it. I just thought, oh, that's cool. She's doing something different. Because in the end, you were still just telling the story. You know, in the end, it right. was just a pretty linear memoir in a traditional sense, just broken up yeah. into these little parts, which I thought made it. Right. Anyway, well done. I liked it. And that's all that matters, and what? really. So, um, Oops, you cut out. all right. So you've written yep. this thing. It took you 10 years, mm. right? And yeah, oh, my I God, know. long time. I, I now know. that you've done it, do you want to do another something? Yeah, I'm think? working on a second one already. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. good for you. Good, good, good. Yeah. So you've got, so you don't, you're like, well, my whole life, I've written the whole thing up. There's nothing left. You've got more stories to tell. No, you're forgetting the verbally incontinent part. There's plenty. That's right. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, I will tell you, uh, as I tell my students, mm. your life couldn't, no one's life could be less interesting to my, than mine. And I write about my life to the exclusion of everything else because I just find it interesting. Right. So I'm sure you well, that's can what find I'm plenty saying. of I mean, you have a very, a very strong voice. You know, and it's just a matter of, you know, I, 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 well, an interesting part. I think the second book will be um, a memoir again, but the third will be fiction. When I had to oh. go and sort of work, go work backwards and protect people's identity even more. Uh, I mean, it was a fun exercise to kind of have to change some circumstances, right? That stayed true to the material, but also, um, you know, it was. Just a few things. My friend, who's a very dedicated New Yorker, New Yorker reader, was very upset to learn that. Like, oh what exactly? God. I that's had how to memoir change. works. Tell him yeah. or her. I don't know what she. That's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. What I always say is, where memory fails, imagination prevails in the memoir. Like it or not, yeah. that's well, the way it works. There's a very, there's a very funny chapter in the book about a stolen D A L D O. And I to write about that chapter, I had to have this very high legal conversations, you know, about why that chapter should be kept in. And the chapter before that is a chapter about stalking. And I had told the attorney, I was like, listen, um, the, the attorney that for the press, right? I was like, um, for the publishing house, I was like, listen, I really want to show, I want to write. I need that chapter because it's the very, very bottom. I just want to show what it's like when you're in the sort of really bottom of patheticness. And right. I remember her saying, you know, and she's a very, like, you know, traditional, very articulate, you know, right. conservative attorney type. She says, well, you know, Megan, I really feel like the chapter right before when you're stalking in the bushes. I feel like that really does it. And I'm like, no. No, it doesn't do it. There's, like, a step worse, which is digging into the trash. Somebody else is trash. That is more pathetic. So, you know, I fought and fought and fought and had my, you know, editor's support to be able to leave that uh, but that required a little bit more finessing of the material to protect the you know the people who are in the story which i don't mind either because you know the point of all of this is that you sort of said at the top was 
you know, it's not a very interesting book to throw anybody over a bus. But, like, if, if you're going to no. use what someone happened to someone else that involved you, you know, as kind as you can be in revealing that when you're needing to talk about something about yourself, like, I'm all for right. that. You know, I just, That's who right. wants to read a book about someone saying someone's off? Like, no. there are ways to talk about it that are interesting. And I was worried, you know, because obviously my parents are still, you know, my dad's still alive. And, yeah. And, um, you know, he wanted to hear the whole thing covered in cover. So he came to my yurt and sat down, like, cross-legged oh, wow. here, there. Oh, and my God. And he was like, I want to hear it from start to finish. And I was like, you know, nervous in certain chapters. I was like, do you want to take a break? Do you want to go home? <laughs> like, use anything? And he'd be like, no. No, no, keep going. This is great, you know. And he, you know, he was just quite generous. And at some point, he said he has a pretty funny. He, he said, uh, "Listen, uh, in in this book, uh, at any point, I'll look a little better, and this is kind of what it's gonna be, you know." <laughs> I was like, "Well," but you know, he kept his. You know, he was just. He was more upset by like the chapters of reading about a cadaver lab or. Right. Drinking ayahuasca and getting sick. That actually grossed him out more than, you know, worrying about the way I was, you know, describing him. his, you know, our, his parenting. But he, I did have a funny experience where there's this guy he loved that's friends of our family. And his name is Martin. And, and he read some early section, or I read it to him at a different time. And he says, uh, Martin, when Martin reads this, he's going to think, I'm really weird. I was like, Dad, the cat <laughs> is out of the bag. I was like, I'm not telling anything that Martin doesn't already realize about you. I hate uh, to be the, you know, the messenger on that one, but so. Wow. Yeah. Well, Megan, you're a very yes. interesting person, as I knew you would be. I have, I was oh, not disappointed. Um, I'm glad. I so was, if I people, it was a lot of fun. Well, I, it was, my job was easy. I just, I just opened the the mic and let you roll. Mm. That's why I oh, like people like you. So. Uh, where can people find out about you if they want to learn more? Um, it's in what's in that oh, book. Yeah, more than that, Jesus. Um, <laughs> like that's enough. Um, right. Just my website is megangriswold.com, and the book is in audio, which I like a lot. Speaking of the whole Ooh. reading thing, because my friend, do you is, read it? You know that you could, I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet and you do Coco, a good job. Coco Pam came with me and got to critique me through the whole recording of it. So it's pretty nice on audio too, but it's a beautiful book. I love the cover and everything about design work and living in a yurt and all that stuff is at my website. Um, Just my name. Thanks. Yeah, Megan Griswold. Well, Megan, you're awesome. Uh, It's a great book. Thank you. Right back. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to the next one. Get busy. Oh, Oh, well, I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. So thanks for oh. your generosity and patience with the bronchitis. Oh, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait, Megan. Oh, oh thank you, sir. All right. All right. Take, take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, people. She was a lot of fun, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Well, listen, I won't be back next week. My mom's coming to town, so I'm going to hang around with her. You know, I'm a good son still. Uh I just like her. I'm not a good son. I just like her. That's why I want to hang around with her. So that's what I'm going to do. But I'll be back the week after that with somebody. I don't remember who, but it doesn't matter. It'll be somebody. Thanks to my producer, Jeff RJ. You're awesome. Of course you are. Uh, So listen, until two weeks from now, go find something you love to do and do it.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.